Today on Blue 58, the draft is done, but we've still got an undrafted free agent crop to break down. The Packers added 14 of them this year, and I think at least two have a real shot at making the roster. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. And we have no time to waste today because, like I said in the opening, the Packers added 14 undrafted free agents, plus a few guys that we won't get into because they're just going to be around probably for for rookie camp this weekend. But if they come out of rookie camp and make the roster, we'll certainly address them then. In the meantime, 14 new names to talk about in addition to the guys the the Packers drafted last weekend. In alphabetical order by last name, let's dive right in. First up is B.J. Baylor, a running back out of Oregon State. 5 feet, 10 inches tall, 202 pounds. Not a tremendous athlete, but not necessarily terrible either. A 6-1 relative athletic score, 4-5-2 in the 40-yard dash. So not a burner by any means, but pretty explosive in terms of leaping. A 10-4 broad jump qualifies as elite by relative athletic score. He had 1,300 yards and 13 rushing touchdowns as a senior. Of note, he fumbled four times on 235 touches. Only 16 career catches for Mr. Baylor, so not... Not a big contributor through the air, which I think is a a big mark against him in his quest to make the roster in Green Bay. It's messing with my brain a little bit that a guy named Baylor went to Oregon State, but you can't have everything. I think probably not a great chance of making the roster here. He reminds me a little bit of a less athletic John Crockett, that North Dakota running back from a few years back. Probably just a guy to soak up some carries during the preseason, but you got to have those and uh, Baylor may be that. Caliph Bryce, a linebacker out of Florida Atlantic, is our next prospect to discuss. Six foot two, 233 pounds, a 6'1 relative athletic score athlete. 4'6'1 in the 40-yard dash, pretty good vertical and broad jump, 37 and a half inches and 10 feet 6 inches, though unofficially, respectively in those numbers. Those are elite explosion numbers. Some interesting stats uh, from him. Interesting in that uh, he did not have very many of them. Three sacks, one interception, one pass defensed, and one fumble forced in his college career. Former junior college guy. Just first impression on uh, Bryce. I think he's probably a miss unless he develops into like a a scout team tackling machine. He seems like a bit of a poor man's Chris Barnes. Next up is a guy kind of in the same category, but I don't think we can ignore him for a couple of reasons. We'll get to that in a second. 6'1", 226-pound Ellis Brooks joins the Packers out of Penn State, a linebacker. Not a great athlete, not even as good an athlete as Bryce. A 5.55 relative athletic score and a 4.77 40-yard dash. Look, you can be small or you can be slow, but you can't be small and slow. And he's a little bit on the small and slow side. However... He did lean Penn State in tackles last season, which isn't nothing. It may not be a lot, but it's not nothing. They're a legit program. Also of note, the Packers gave Brooks an $8,000 signing bonus. Again, not necessarily much, but not nothing either. If Caliph Bryce is a poor man's Chris Barnes, to me, I think Brooks is a poor man's Chris Barnes, but also very slow. Barnes might actually be slightly slower. I don't remember his 40-yard dash time off the top of my head, but Brooks, in a vacuum overall, no matter who you're comparing him to, is not all that fast for an inside linebacker, especially at 6'1", 226 pounds. 
Kyle Byers, a defensive lineman out of Missouri, is next up. He, too, got an $8,000 signing bonus from the Packers. Six foot three, 308 pounds. Not a typo on the relative athletic score. A 0.30. Legitimately one of the worst scores I've ever seen. You wonder if he just had a really bad day of testing because, who baby, I have a hard time envisioning a big-time college football program having a guy on the field as much as Byers with that kind of athleticism numbers. Still, the production, not great. Maybe there's a little bit of something to that. Two sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss in 40 career games at Missouri. He was Dane Brugler's 45th ranked defensive lineman, so just outside the draftable range. So it wouldn't have been surprising to see somebody roll the dice with a seventh-round pick with that kind of ranking from Mr. Brugler. He seems to project a little bit more as a three-technique defensive tackle, which is something that the Packers seem to be pulling a few more of lately. Uh, there's at least one other guy in this class who we'll get to. Let me scroll down here a little bit, get lost in my pages and pages of notes. Uh, Hawadi Pututau out of Utah, probably another three-technique type guy. I think it's just, I, I don't know if that's a, a trend. It could be a coincidence. It probably is. But the Packers do seem to be pulling a few more of those guys. Byers reminds me a little bit of Montrevious Adams if Adams was less athletic and less productive. And if he was more athletic and more productive, he'd have been, he'd have been drafted, probably. But 6'3", fairly tall, 308, fairly light. Adams was kind of that same sort of guy. Danny Davis, a wide receiver out of Wisconsin, is next on our list. 6'1", 188 pounds, not that great an athlete here either. 245 relative athletic score, 462 in the 40 yard dash. Seems like another camp body, and boy, do they have a lot of those at wide receiver. Something like 14 wide receivers on the roster right now. That's a lot, even for the Packers who like to carry quite a few wide receivers as often as not. Overall, not that productive. Uh, 1,600 yards receiving, 14 touchdowns at Wisconsin, about 475. I think it might have been 478 his final season in Madison. Not bad by any means. I mean, if you're a, a guy out there who's had 400 yards receiving for a big-time college football program, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. You'd probably brag about that, and rightfully so, for the rest of your life. Sure, he's not like first-round pro- productivity, but that's that's not nothing. Um, Davis is Dane Brugler's 63rd-ranked receiver in this class. Doesn't really stand out anywhere. Reading the scouting report from Bucky's fifth quarter, the SB Nation blog that covers the Wisconsin Badgers football team, quote, Davis is a better wide receiver than he is an athlete, but his versatility and positional savvy should give him an opportunity. Davis lacks the juice to play in the slot, so he's more likely a so he's a more likely projection to play outside, end quote. He too probably or well, like I said, a camp body. If you're looking for somebody he might remind you of, I'm going to just pick a former camp wide receiver at random here, Alex Gillette. They're not at all alike. I'm just picking a name at random. But just set your expectations there if you're thinking about Danny Davis. And I know we have more than a few Wisconsin fans who listen to the podcast. I think even even if Badgers fans are are honest with themselves, uh, Davis is probably not looking at a, a roster spot this year, just given the depth chart and given the athleticism of some of the guys on the depth chart ahead of him. Tyler Goodson, a running back out of Iowa, is almost the exact opposite sort of situation. 5'9", 197 pounds, elite athlete, nine five three relative athletic score, elite numbers everywhere, but with size. 
again, but on the smaller sides, even 10 pounds lighter, 11 pounds lighter than Aaron Jones was coming out. And keep that Aaron Jones comp in the back of your mind here for a second. Productive at Iowa, 2,500 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns in 34 career games, a whopping 70 catches over three years there for Mr. Goodson. He was a tier two prospect in our running back analysis. We didn't delve all the way down to our tier two guys tier three guys this year, but Goodson was right right in that range. He did not hit on our speed score threshold or our um, uh, touchdowns per game threshold, but he was good overall in athleticism and he was good in uh, catches per game. We, we set a threshold of one per game. He averaged more than two. There are very few running backs I can think of who are this much of a receiving threat in college who have ended up in Green Bay. But Aaron Jones, like I said before, not all that dissimilar. He had 71 catches in 35 career games at UTEP, and I think fairly similar similar physically, though, like I said, Jones a bit heavier even than Goodson, who already fairly light. Uh, Jones, too, fairly light. I guess is my point there that Goodson is even lighter. But I think if you're looking for a guy who can potentially make some noise as an undrafted free agent, this might be it. Here's why. So if the Packers' number three running back tends to be a, a bit of a gap filler for what's ahead of them on the roster, I think the Packers ran into a bit of a problem last year with that strategy. So Aaron Jones goes down for a while last year. The Packers turn to A.J. Dillon, obviously, uh, just running back 1A on the depth chart anyway, but behind him they have Kylan Hill and Patrick Taylor. Well, Hill is also hurt, tears up his knee pretty early in the season. So that leaves pretty much just Patrick Taylor on the depth chart. And Taylor is more similar to Dylan than he is to Jones. He's a bigger bodied back, straight line speed, not really shifty at all, and not much of a receiver. If you're looking for a backup to Aaron Jones, who seems a bit more likely to get injured than A.J. Dillon, Kylan Hill, of course, is your first choice. But if Hill is slow to come back from his ACL injury this year, maybe pencil him in to miss the first weeks of the six weeks of the season anyway on the physically unable to perform list. Goodson might have a chance. I like Patrick Hill as much as the next guy, probably more. He's somebody who we've been talking about since way back in 2020. But Goodson might be a better fit as the third running back. If he's getting involved in the passing game that often at Iowa, and again, I know nothing about him from a film perspective, but he's in. if he's involved in the passing game that much at Iowa, presumably he's on the field for other passing downs too, and that means he's probably a bit ahead of the curve from some other running backs from a pass protection standpoint. Just guessing there, that's a complete guess on my part, but that is a, a something that keeps a lot of young running backs off the field in Green Bay historically. Goodson might have the opportunity to overcome some of that stuff through his proficiency in the passing game. And if there is a shortcoming in Patrick Taylor's game, it is that. He has never really been much of a receiver. Great athlete, great with the ball in his hands as a runner, never really that great of a receiver. Did hit our thresholds there uh, way back at Memphis, just barely, but not two catches a game type stuff with Goodson. I think Goodson has a real shot to make some noise on the low end of the roster. For sure, I think you pencil him in for a practice squad spot and potentially an elevation to the to the 53 at some point in the season. Jameer Johnson, next up out of Texas A&M. A tackle, 6'5", 290 pounds, did not have a relative athletic score. He only did the jumping activities and the bench and wasn't particularly noteworthy in either one. No real interesting stats for him. Uh, not a long-term starter anywhere, but quite a story. 
Uh, Dane Brugler's number 33 offensive tackle, and he has spent some time moving around before ending up at Texas A&M. Check out the background. Uh, from a scouting report report published by Sports Illustrated. Quote, Jameer Johnson went to Imhotep Institute, his high school, in Philadelphia. He committed to the Rhode Island Rams in 2016, but spent the season redshirting. The three-star athlete then committed to Tennessee in 2017. In 2018, he started 8-11 games at left guard for Tennessee. In 2019, he played only six games due to injury, then switched to left tackle and started for the Volunteers at that position. In 2021, he transferred to Texas A&M and played left tackle and started 11 games. He received the Offensive Top Newcomer Award at the annual team banquet, end quote. So, he can play. Three college programs were interested in him. Tennessee and Texas A&M, no slouches there. And showed he was a starting caliber player at two positions for two pretty big-time college programs. What do you do with him with the Packers, though? I don't know. And if you're looking for a comp, I've got to go a little bit off the map here a little bit. I was just thinking about a guy by the name of Cody Conway the other day. He was a Syracuse prospect that we liked a few years back. Tons and tons of playing time at left tackle for Syracuse, but pretty small, small, heavy air quotes there. I guess what I mean is light. Six foot six, 296 pounds was Mr. Conway. He never really caught on in Green Bay. Johnson, I think, is kind of in a similar mold there, a long-term starter, fairly long-term starter at a reputable program or two in college, but is probably going to have to add some mass because he's way too light at 290 pounds. For A&M, he was listed at 300 pounds. The Packers list him at 290. Take that for whatever it's worth. 300, 290 doesn't really make a difference. You're still on the lighter end either way, especially for a guy as tall Uh, as Johnson is. He's going to have to add a little bit of weight. That is no problem at all for the next guy on our list, though. Caleb Jones, a tackle out of Indiana. Six feet, nine inches tall, 370 pounds. Wow. 1.9 relative athletic score. He's pretty much just big. 5'6", 40-yard dash. I hope I could go outside and beat that today. Now, given I'm approximately 150 pounds lighter than he is, so hopefully I can move a little bit faster than 5'6 in the 40. I might also tear my hamstring right off my leg in the process. You never know. You get into your 30s, things could go either way. I have nothing really to point to on this guy other than that he is huge. If Caleb Jones were ever to appear in a game for the Packers, he would be the heaviest player ever to do so. The previous record holder is Anthony Rush who appeared in a game with the listed weight of 361 pounds just a couple of years ago. There's literally nobody to compare Caleb Jones to in Packers history. I can't think of a guy who has been this size in Green Bay. And he's going to be, at least in my mind, a a training camp legend just as a result of being that big. Again, 6'9", 370, that's huge in a sport filled with huge guys. Incredible. That's what the that's what I love the most, I think, about the draft process. It's just seeing stuff that you've never really seen before. No matter how long you do this, no matter how many people you talk about, every so often something comes along and it's like, that's really unusual. I've never really seen anything like that before. And there we kind of head two in a row. Jameer Johnson with his long road to Texas A&M and Caleb Jones just being a monster human being. Chauncey Manick, a linebacker slash edge rusher out of Louisiana, is next on our list. 6'3", 246 pounds, a 363 relative athletic score, 4'6", 40, 4'6", 7", 40-yard dash for Mr. Manick. 
He's very near to being a tier three edge rusher. Those are the guys who are productive in college, but not necessarily athletic. A career production ratio of 1.16. He played two years at Georgia before spending four years at Louisiana. He too got an $8,000 signing bonus. I'm going to pick a low-end Packers camp edge rusher just as a reminder here. Vic Soto, uh, a guy who just found a way to keep getting on the field for the Packers, eventually made his way to the 53-man roster. I think Manic could be that kind of guy. The Packers, depending on what you think about um, J.J. Enigbare, have an open competition for their fourth edge rusher spot, as far as I'm concerned. Brian Gutekunst said they, they like the group that they've got. We'll see about that. Um, if you think Enigbare can be penciled in for that third spot, that's fine. Arguably, they, they certainly have that fourth spot open and maybe their third and fourth spots open on the edge rusher depth chart. Manic has shown that he can do it, at least at the college level. He may need some seasoning relative to some of the other prospects on the roster, but there just aren't that many edge rusher prospects on the roster other than the guys that we already wrote, know about. Tipa Naliai is fine. Uh, Jonathan Garvin, too, um, I'd say broadly fine, though probably better than people give him credit for. Randy Ramsey coming back from a knee injury. It's a it's a tough group to break into. It's not a tough group to break into, I should say. Entirely the opposite. Uh, there's a pretty open competition here. Um, Enigbare and Garvin certainly you would think have have the inside track there. Garvin probably ahead of the the 2022 draft pick there too, just because he's done it before. But nothing would surprise me behind uh, Smith and Gary. It's going to be a pretty interesting competition throughout training camp, partly because, again, no real clear, it's going to be this guy sort of options. George Moore, a guard out of Oregon, is next on our list. 6'5", 312 pounds, a 5'39 relative athletic score. Really weird movement split for him in his numbers. He ran a 481 uh, three cone or short shuttle, excuse me, which is bad, but he had a 7'6 three cone time which is an elite number. This is probably a practice issue. Maybe he slipped or something. A lot of these drills come down to technique, and the, the pre-draft testing process is all about refining that technique so you can put up good numbers when uh, when the lights are on. Um, Moore probably just didn't get good coaching on his technique in the in the short shuttle, and that results in the, in the relatively bad score. So take away the grain of salt, some of these numbers. He had almost a dead-even split between left guard and left tackle his final college season. 364 snaps at left guard, another 347 at left tackle. You don't see that all that often. And as a result, I think he's kind of got an interesting, though very specific kind of story about his career to this point. A kind of too good to keep off the field, but not good enough to really have a home kind of guy. I'm trying to think of a, a comparison. Um... Packers-wise, it's hard to come up with one on the offensive line because they want to get their best five out there all the time. That's how NFL teams work. If you're just okay as a lineman, you're not really going to get on the field. But you do see guys like that from time to time. You can't just get rid of a guy because he's he's a bum, because he's not, but he's not really good enough to like take a job from anybody else. And that seems to be the story with Moore's college career to this point. Don't really have a good comp for him. Um, but starting that uh, tackle-to-guard pipeline early, and he'll try to be a guard with the Packers as well. Now, I already murdered his name once, uh, and I will try to not do it again, but Hawadi Pututau out of 
uh, Utah, a defensive lineman, is next on our list. 6'3", 306 pounds. Again, another guy in that more like three-technique defensive tackle sort of mold. 6'2", relative athletic score. Not bad by any means. Not great. Good broad jump, good bench numbers. Interesting note on his career. He had more passes defensed than tackles for loss in his 30 career games at Utah. He had 11 passes defensed. He had 10 tackles for loss. You don't see that all that often with a defensive lineman. He also goes by Howard. Take that for whatever it's worth. Don't have much more to say on him. Cole Schneider, a center out of Central Florida, joins the Packers next. Six foot three, three hundred nine pounds, a six five five relative athletic score. Great ten yard split. That's one of the three things we look at as far as Packers offensive line prospects. But bad in the agility drills. He had twelve starts at guard in twenty twenty one for Central Florida, just one at center. Also of note, one rushing attempt on offense, which went for one yard and a touchdown. He was Dane Brugler's 29th ranked guard, but the Packers apparently think of him as a center. So if you're looking for a comp, think maybe poor man Scott Wells. Almost a throwback given what the Packers have been doing, but maybe a little bit smaller, 6'3", a little bit lighter, 309 pounds. Certainly not as big as a guy like Josh Myers or some of the other guys that they acquired in the draft this weekend as an interior offensive lineman, but he appears to have been an interior offensive line specialist given his career to date at Central Florida. Maybe that gives him a leg up in the interior competition. Maybe not. Final two guys, two defensive backs. Trey Sterling out of Oklahoma State. The first one, six feet tall, 205 pounds, 458 relative athletic score. He was probably just tanked by his 40-yard dash, a 471 in the 40. Not great for a safety. 18 career ball hawks and 28 career games. He was Dane Brugler's 43rd ranked safety. In high school, he scored a touchdown almost every way you can. He scored one rushing. He scored one receiving. He scored one on a punt return and an interception return and a fumble return. On my scorecard, that means he's only missing a kickoff return touchdown and the ever-elusive return of a missed field goal for a touchdown. Maybe you could add in a, a block punt or block field goal there, but then you're you're splitting things pretty pretty far down the list, though I guess we should we should add that on there too. So that gives you what, like nine or ten different ways you can score a touchdown. That he got six, five, I guess, is is pretty pretty incredible. Uh Sterling had a twenty five hundred dollar signing bonus with the Packers. Of note, I guess, given how many defensive backs there are out there, it, it seems like they could probably have acquired another middling athleticism safety if they'd wanted, but they, they went Sterling's route and threw another 2500 bucks his way. He had a bit of a, a downer to his college career. He was honorable mention all Big 12 in 2020, seemed to have things all going his way, but a wrist injury limited him to just five games in 2021. Career trajectory appeared to have been progressing nicely. Pro football focus grades for him, 78.1 in 2019, 82.1 in 2020, and then with just the five games in 21, that drops down to a 64.4. If you're looking for a comparison, I was tempted to say Henry Black or Vernon Scott, just looking at a a kind of lightly regarded safety from a middle-tier power school. But both were better testers than... Um, than Sterling was. At least we assume so with Scott, given his on-field speed. But on the flip side, I think Sterling was more polished as a safety than either one of those two guys. So I don't really know what you do with him. Uh, It's going to be tough unless he plays better than his testing, which is certainly possible for him to to really make a run at the roster because he's probably going to have to be a special teamer. But um, 
it seems like he was headed in the right direction before injuries kind of derailed his college career, so you never know. No problem with athleticism for the final guy on our list, Raleigh Tejada, or Texada, depending on how you want to pronounce it. I'm, I'm assuming it's Tejada. Uh, a cornerback at a Baylor, 5'10", 191 pounds, 8'2", relative athletic score, ran a 4'4", 40-yard dash. 23 career ball hawks, Dane Brugler, Brugler's number 60 corner, uh, so off of his his scouting list, but thought he was worth mentioning. He competed as a sprinter on Baylor's track team in 2018 and 2019, has a personal best of 10.62 seconds in the 100-meter dash. Not inconsiderable speed. Pick any guy who's been more of an athlete than a corner to this point in their NFL career, and you probably got a pretty good comp for Mr. Tejada. I went with Kadar Holman. Your mileage may vary. I think Holman probably had slightly better ball skills than Tejada, but 23 career ball hawks is nothing to sneeze at either. So there's your undrafted free agent class. I think if you're looking for a couple guys who could make a run at the roster, again, uh, Tyler Goodson, probably your best bet. But beyond that, I think a guy like Tejada or Sterling might have a really good good upside. And if I was going to pick one of those two, it might be Sterling. Now, the Packers have a couple corners or a couple safeties on the roster that are fairly well established, even beyond Amos and Savage. Uh, but I think it's a, a fairly open competition. They may have been on the roster for a while, but they're hardly hardly assured a roster spot because of their performance to date. Let's put it that way. So there's your undrafted free agent group. Now it's time to start projecting how they're going to shake out and and get to the roster. Next time on Blue 58, we're going to do a roster preview as well as answering a bunch of listener questions on the roster itself, roster building, and uh, basically the offseason to this point. I'm excited to start digging in, uh, and I'm excited to, to really start looking ahead to 2022 as we've now got probably 95 to 98% of the roster all but set. That's basically how this this time of year works. The guys that you're going to see on the fall are probably already on the roster for the Packers, barring a couple small moves here and there. In the meantime, that's all I've got for you on this episode. I'd appreciate it if you would take a second and share this with somebody you think would uh, would enjoy it. That approach has really helped us over the last year or so. Year over year, April's downloads were about 29% greater uh, than a year ago. Uh, April 2022 was was 29% better than April 2021. So thank you for spreading the word about Blue 58. Help us keep that momentum going. Find more people to listen to this show. Find more people to join this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, maybe me especially, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.